Welcome to the Spouse Benefit Plan Podcast, where we help career military families make the most important decision before transition to keep or opt out of the Survivor Benefit Plan. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and military families advocate. This show is intended to be educational and not to be taken as financial advice. To discuss your unique financial situation, reach out to our show sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth at usvetwealth.com. Or check out our growing list of resources at our website, thespousebenefitplan.com. Now, let's get into the show. Wow, you made it. You're still listening. This tells me that you're invested now. Or, you know, curious to say the least. And I think that's great. I am glad to have you here. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to so far, be sure to share this with a friend, especially today's episode. Today's episode, it's going to be a good one. We're going to be talking about the military pension. Of course, if you also have been enjoying the show, I would love for you to leave a written five-star review on Apple Podcasts or write me a LinkedIn recommendation on my LinkedIn profile. I say write or written because I like to know specifically why you shared the feedback that you shared. And as a content creator, it helps me, you know, just get better at what I do. So thank you in advance for your support. And thank you again for sharing this with a friend, especially if you found this episode to be extremely helpful. I think today I may be breaking this up into a couple of episodes because after doing so much research and talking with the team at U.S. Vet Wealth, I realized that there was so much to the military pension that the average person, especially the spouse, knows very little about. And, you know, it's that one thing you don't really think about until you're nearing transition. And so I have really gone out of my way to work on the show, and I will talk more about that in a little bit. But before I get ahead of myself, I want to go ahead and just do a recap of the last episode. So the last episode, which was really the introduction to the show, I shared what led me to starting the Spouse Benefit Plan. I talk about how this show stemmed from my award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I also shared why it's difficult for our military spouses, especially seasoned spouses, to choose to keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan. Now, this is actually a big one. I had a recent epiphany about why this is difficult for spouses. But again, I will share that soon. And I also, in the last episode, get extremely, extremely specific on who this particular show, the spouse benefit plan, is for and also who it isn't for. And it's extremely important that if you've made it this far, then I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad that you listened all the way through to the first episode to get to this one and be like, yep, I think this show is for me. And even if it isn't and you are just curious, then I'm glad that you decided to have an open mind to make it to this next episode. So give yourself a pat on the back. I'm proud of you. And I think you are going to get a lot out of today's episode. So here's the thing. As I mentioned, this particular episode that is likely to be broken up into, you know, two to three more episodes 
it was not easy. This really required that I myself stretch out of my own comfort zone on so many levels to really break down what the military pension is about to the super, super basic level. Because here's the thing that I'm going to tell you right now. If you think that the military pension is only that guaranteed monthly pay for post-military life for the rest of the service member's life, well, I hope that you stick around to listen and learn more about how the military pension is so much more than that, so much more. So I really have to take this moment to give credit to my team at U.S. Vet Wealth, the sponsor of the Spouse Benefit Plan, for all of the available resources that are accessible and free on our website, usvetwealth.com. I really took some time to read through all of our content, as well as research our government sites to you know, pull the best and the most basic ideas of the military pension for you for this episode. And because I have done a lot of research, I am also going to be providing you a heavy list of resources in the show notes. So I do recommend that if you want to dive in deeper in understanding the military pension, I do encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode and you will have access to everything that I have mentioned and I referenced to today. So you're welcome. So in addition to doing all this research, I had decided to, you know, take a listen to the introduction episode that I had released back in February. And so much has happened since then. I have learned so much and even experienced so much. So the first thing is that our company, U.S. Vet Wealth, has started to host free monthly live Zoom discussions about why you shouldn't fear opting out of the survivor benefit plan. And so this is a, like I mentioned, a free monthly event that you can attend and sign up for today when you visit usvetwealth.com. Well, the last discussion we had, we had two military couples, you know, two of them who were already preparing for transition and had decided to bring on their spouses on the call, which was really amazing. It was very important for me to acknowledge that and to congratulate them that they as a couple had decided to come on together to learn about the survivor benefit plan and their overall military benefits. And, you know, normally what happens is we'll have a service member or a veteran will typically reach out to us individually to go over their finances, their personal finances, and then come the day of decision time, the spouse is being briefed for the first time on what the actual decision is. And unfortunately, that is not enough time <laughs> for a spouse to be like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what decision are you making? And very often we tend to find that, you know, amongst our spouse community, sometimes if it's not broken, don't fix it. And something such as the survivor benefit plan that has been a part of the career military family for as long as you have been serving, it's one of those things where you don't even necessarily think about until you start to near transition. But here's the worst part. So at the end of this discussion, Scott, my husband, who also is the founder of US Vet Wealth, he decided to ask our attendees, he said, hey, so what is the number one thing that you learned in attending our discussion today? So first, the service members, the two that were on, or the three, but two out of three of them, one of them said, well, I didn't know you could opt out of the survivor benefit plan. And, you know, Scott and I were looking at each other like, whoa. And even the other service member said, yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> and then, of course, we asked the spouses 
And we said, did you know? Did you know that you could opt out? And they were like, nope, had no idea. And so you are dealing with, you know, seasoned spouses and career military service members who are about to transition, learning that for the first time in their career, that they could opt out of the survivor benefit plan. And that was a shocking revelation. I was telling Scott, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to back it up so much more and really, really simplify what this is all about. And it's very often in the military community that, you know, because the government is taking care of us so that we can primarily focus on our service to our nation. And I think that's great. It's great to have, you know, your employer take care of you in that way so you could focus on what you do best. And as we know, transition is going to happen for everyone. And so it's very eye-opening to sit in on these conversations and hear our very own career military service members and seasoned spouses learning for the first time that they have the choice to opt out of the survivor benefit plan. So this revelation has inspired me to continue to use my journalism background, i.e. my journalism degree from college forever ago. But what I'm really trying to say is that this really got my curiosity going. And I just want to remind you all that I am not a licensed financial professional. I'm a gold star daughter, a veteran spouse, and I'm the community relations director at US Vet Wealth. And also, you know, the host of the award-winning podcast show, Holding on the Fort. And it's my goal since the very beginning, since I started working at US Vet Wealth and hosting Holding on the Fort to really figure out what the gap is between military spouses and their understanding of their military benefits. If you want to actually get financial advice in your specific situation, I do highly recommend that you reach out to our licensed professionals at usvetwealth.com. Once again, that's usvetwealth.com and schedule a call with one of our licensed professionals if you really want to dive in deeper about your unique situation. I want you to know that I am doing this because I care about you. I advocate for you, specifically the seasoned spouse. And I've heard countless of times of how little it feels like they are receiving in regards to this kind of education. And so coming from a Gold Star family and having watched my own mom, my seasoned spouse mom, struggle, especially in post-military life, it just doesn't sit well with me to continue this narrative, you know, with our seasoned spouses today. So it's my hope that this episode does justice for you in really dissecting and fully understanding the potential of the military pension and what you're really gaining for your service to our nation as a seasoned military spouse. So going back to the two couples that we had a chance to talk to at the live Zoom discussion, why you shouldn't fear opting out of the survivor benefit plan, which you can sign up for, and all of our other free monthly discussions at our website, usvetwealth.com. I was reflecting on, you know, how easy it is and how understandable it is that, you know, spouses wouldn't know that the survivor benefit plan is supposed to benefit the survivor of the service member, which is the spouse, first and foremost. You know, to know that they themselves didn't know that they had the opportunity to keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan, I can completely understand because for most of our spouses, you're so fixated on the day-to-day activities of military life. 
And it's one of those things that it seems like it's one of those like future talks that you can just put off, you know, over and over again, so long as the military continues to take care of you. And so long as the day-to-day activities of what you're doing continue to work in your favor. (laughs) And so I totally get that mindset. I totally understand. And here's the thing, like this episode and the upcoming episodes will be hard to listen to, and they might get harder to listen to, especially if you are not in that mindset yet to go beyond the day-to-day activities, to focus on, you know, future financial planning. And that's okay. You know, if you are not ready for that, and this is why I keep harping on who the show is not for, (laughs) you know, if you are not ready to go beyond what you're already spending so much time doing, which I commend you for, it's okay. You don't have to listen to the show. However, you're obviously here, so I got to put on a show for you. (laughs) So really moving forward, I'm sure that you found a way to listen to the show and continue listening to the show whether it's on your super, super spare time or that rare time in military life where you have downtime. Whoa. (laughs) So if you're listening to this during that time, I just want to thank you for including this show in that super rare of a spare time because it tells me that you already care about the day-to-day and you also care about your future. And obviously not just for you, but for your kids, for your service member, you care. And I commend you for that. And I commend you and I applaud you that you have found this time to listen to this show. So please pat yourself on the back because this is really for you. This is not for me. This is for you. I also want to share that I understand, like I remember the day-to-day life as a military child and having watched my father be gone from deployment for months at a time and witnessing my mom, my military spouse mom, raising us while picking up jobs left and right to keep her busy, you know, while dad was away. And then we lost dad. Yet the pace didn't stop. You know, even in post-military life, mom continued to be preoccupied with providing for us. And unfortunately, in my adult life, the messages I had received growing up had told me, had taught me that either someone is going to take care of you, i.e. the military, or you're going to spend your life living paycheck to paycheck. That essentially seemed to be my destiny, is just understanding what active income is, understanding that in order to make it for another day, another week, another month, it was all about getting that paycheck. The lessons of investing, saving, or long-term planning was never taught in our household because mom was doing the damn thing you know, by providing for us. And so here I am now, and as an adult, you know, 20 plus years later, having been removed from the military to, you know, now doing the work that I do with podcasting and working at US Fat Wealth, it's my hope that I can take not just our family lessons that I experienced with my mom and my dad, especially in post military life, but also I can share with you the resources and the knowledge that I have gained with the work that I do so that you can have a glimpse into what your future could be or doesn't have to be. So all that being said, it is worth it to look ahead of the day-to-day life of the military in that super rare spare time that you have. It's so worth it. Because here's the thing, that day-to-day is not always going to be a day-to-day. The day will come when the day-to-day stops. 
and you are given a choice to actually make decisions for yourself and actually choose how you want your life to be for post-military life. And it's not just for the service member, because the service member is going to be on their own special journey going through that transition, but it's also yours. And I do believe that part of planning for transition is being aware of something such as the military pension. It's worth studying now. Trust me. (laughs) Not just for you, but as a way to set a great example for your kids. And the reason why I say all this, and I can't stress this enough, is that there's a high probability that you're going to make it out of the military alive. (laughs) And when I keep saying that there's a high probability that you're not going to live my fate as a Gold Star family member, I'm really referring to the probability that your spouse will receive the survivor benefit plan benefits. That is the probability that you will predecease your spouse. Now, if you really want to know what the actual probability is going to be for your unique situation, should anything happen, I recommend downloading the survivor benefit plan probability program straight from the DOD office of the actuary. And actually, I already did you a favor by providing the direct links in the show notes. So look up the resource, the SBP Financial Analysis Tools by the DOD Office of the Actuary, as well as the actual program that you can download to plug in some numbers like your rank, your birthday, your spouse's birthday, et cetera, all those details to find out the probability of having to receive the survivor benefit plan, meaning what is the probability that your spouse will actually need the survivor benefit plan because you, the service member, may predecease the spouse. I know I say you a lot. I tend to go back and forth between the service member and the spouse. So I'll be sure to continue to be specific when I say you. I will make sure to follow up and describe who I'm actually talking to. However, today, I'm actually not going to talk about the survivor benefit plan. Today, I'm going to backtrack by first addressing what the survivor benefit plan protects, which is your military pension. I know that when I first started this, if you find me on LinkedIn or you've been listening to the show, You know that my goal here is to give you the knowledge and education, and more importantly, the confidence to keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan. However, you know, in order to even know if you should keep or opt out, you have to know what it's protecting. And as I mentioned, that is your military pension. Now, it's easy to assume that the military pension is that anticipated monthly retirement pay that the service member will receive for the rest of your life. And it's true. It, it really actually is true. Like that will happen. However, there's more to it. And if you stick around and pay extra attention to this episode, you'll come to find that it's so much more than that. You know, my hope is by the end of this, you'll start to get a greater idea of the reward that's awaiting you, you specifically, the service member and spouse at the end of your service. So I may end up splitting this up into a couple of episodes because there is so much to address. But my intent, at least for now, is to get into the basics of what is the military pension. And then as an activity, I'm going to be providing you some resources on how to estimate what your retired pay is going to be, basically estimate what your military pension is going to be. And then I'm going to introduce you to a very important term to really understand the full potential of your military pension, which is the term, the present value. So if you're taking notes, write down present value value. If you've never heard this word before, you will definitely learn it, you know, by the end of this episode or the end of these series. And I am very confident that it's going to have you look at your military pension in a completely different light. 
All right. With that said, let's go ahead and get into the first part, which is understanding the military pension basics. So having the journalism background I have, I always love to answer the questions who, what, where, when, why, and how, especially if it's applicable to the situation. So that's how I've been able to break down, you know, the military pension today. And, you know, if you're learning about this for the first time, and I highly recommend that you listen to this at a decent speed where you can digest this information and, hey, maybe even listen to it again. So first and foremost, the question is, who is the military pension for? And essentially, the simple definition is service members who accumulate 20 or more years of active service are eligible for retirement. We often describe these service members and families as career military. And so for the more technical term, there are actually three separate but related retirement systems within the DOD. There's one for active duty, one for reservists, and one for those who become medically disabled and are unable to complete a 20-year military career due to their disability. Now, as for this podcast show, we are going to be primarily focused on the active duty members who accumulate 20 or more years of active service or are medically retired. So, of course, if you want to inquire about your specific situation, I highly recommend that you reach out to our show sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth, at usvetwealth.com to know what your specific situation is. But for the sake of this conversation and this episode, we're going to primarily be talking about active duty members, once again, who accumulate 20 or more years of active service or are medically retired. So that's where I'll begin. And as the military spouse, it is extremely important for you to know these basics to better understand what I'm going to share more of later. So this may sound super basic and you're like, yeah, I already knew that, Jen, but I promise you this will build up to what I'll be talking about next. Because kind of going back to the story I shared at the beginning, when we were having our Zoom discussion, it blew my mind, including, you know, Scott and our team to know that there are a lot of career military family members who didn't even know about the survivor benefit plan and didn't even know that they were opt into it and that they could opt out of it. So knowing is half of the battle. And I hope that at the end of this conversation, you'll have more knowledge than you ever thought that you could have about the military pension. And you'll have something fun to share you know, with your fellow spouses, maybe even share this episode. I wouldn't stop you. I would really appreciate it if you did that. But really, I'm focused on you, the military spouse specifically, to understand what this is all about. Now that you know who the military pension is for, let's understand what is the military pension. And I think that military.com couldn't have said it any better. They said the military active duty retirement system is arguably the best retirement deal around. And again, and I'm here just building this up for you because they are right. Military.com is right that this is the best retirement deal around. And again, you'll find out why. (laughs) Keep on listening. Now, the military pension has a lot of names, and I'm going to mention all the ones that I have researched so far. And as I mentioned, I collected a lot of resources just to consolidate it in this episode for you today. So please go ahead and check out all the resources in the show notes of this episode. This is where I'm pulling all of my sources from. So the military pension is described in various ways. In fact, it was actually really interesting when I first did an online search of military pension. That wasn't even the first word that came up. One of the first words that came up were military retirement pay, retired base pay, military retirement plan, 
And the literal term, in case you're curious, is called non-disability retirement plans. And so here are the main three that you may probably already know. So the three non-disability retirement plans currently in effect for active duty retirees are the number one, final pay plan, number two, the high 36 month average plan, and number three, the Military Retirement Reform Act of 1986, more commonly known as the Redux Plan. So your retired base pay is dependent on one of these three non-disability retirement plans. All this being said, we're talking about a military pension. So that's really all we're trying to say. There's so many different descriptions, but really it's this monthly retired pay that the active duty service member receives for their lifetime in post-military life. So now I want you to also consider, so this is not another way to name the military pension, but it's more of a way to explain the military pension. And we will dive more into this later, but I want you to, if you have a pen and paper, to write down the word annuity. The military pension is actually, if we're thinking about financial terms, is an annuity. And so if this is the first time you're hearing the word annuity, keep that in the back of your mind as we continue on this conversation. And you'll have a better understanding later on that this is more than just a monthly retired pay. Because that's really how a lot of us perceive this, is that when we think about the military pension, we think that it's that guaranteed monthly pay, so quote unquote monthly pay, and I'm highlighting this specifically, monthly pay for the lifetime of the service member's life. And so until I come up with a better analogy, I want you to think of that retired monthly pay like this. I want you to think of the monthly pay as a barrel of wine. So imagine that for the rest of your life, you will get a barrel of wine every single month. Now, why a barrel of wine? Well, I had other ideas. I thought of saying like a bucket of water or, you know, something else liquid. But I was like, hey, it's wine. Who doesn't like wine? I mean, I don't drink wine all the time, but if it's given to me, I will drink it. So I want you to think of your monthly pay, your monthly retired pay as a barrel of wine, one barrel of wine that you get for the rest of your life, for the rest of the service member's life. And so, as I mentioned, the pension is also known as an annuity. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think of an annuity as a vineyard, a wine vineyard, and that your monthly pay, your barrel of wine comes from this vineyard. And so I know that I know that's a lot to think. So think about this way. Think of an annuity as a vineyard where you're guaranteed for the rest of your life to get this monthly barrel of wine. And it'll start to make more sense later. I also hope it's fun that I am describing this as a wine vineyard. Could you imagine? Like if you don't own your own wine vineyard, wouldn't it be awesome if you owned one? I don't own one. I would love to do that later in life. But anyway, analogies. You know, they always say facts tell and stories sell. And I hope that this helps paint a picture and a story for you to better understand what an annuity means. And again, like I said, we'll get into more. I'm trying to describe it more and more as I progress here. I feel like I'm like really building up something for you. And I hope that you're getting excited about it. (laughs) Because you're like, wait a minute, are you telling me that my monthly pay is like part of a greater thing from this wine vineyard that I inherit in post-military life? And if you're thinking that, I'm going to tell you, you're on the right track. Now that you have that in the back of your mind, I'm going to repeat this again because it seemed redundant and I'm doing that on purpose because like I mentioned, I'm trying to explain this as simply as possible very early on so that you can better understand what an annuity is. And therefore, later I will talk to you about what the present value, the term present value means, especially for your military pension. So 
Now I want to get into why. I don't know if anyone's ever thought of this. I do. I don't know. Maybe that's just a questioner in me. But I have always wondered, why was the military pension created? This was actually taken from the Congressional Research Service. They compiled this document together, which is titled Military Retirement Background and Recent Developments. And so once again, if you're very curious to know why the military pension was created, if you're curious like me, go ahead and check that out already provided to you in the show notes. So why was the military pension created? Well, and again, sometimes it's important to know the history of something to better appreciate what you have, right? The non-disability military retirement system, remember all the different nicknames. So not only is it called non-disability military retirement system, they also call it, you know, retired base pay, military retirement pay, military retirement plan, military pension, lots of names, but all the same thing. We're talking about all the same thing. So this system, this retirement system, has evolved since the late 1800s, 1800s, I mean, man, because it goes far back, to meet four main goals. And as I share these goals, I want you, the service member and the spouse, to think to yourself, huh, I fall within one of those goals. I fall into one of these reasons as to why even I decided to join the military. So number one, the first reason why it was created is to keep the military forces of the United States young and vigorous and ensure promotion opportunities for younger members. So there's that corporate ladder that you can essentially climb in the military is, is how I'm interpreting it. Number two, to enable the armed forces to remain competitive with private sector employers and the federal civil service. Now, I think this is very interesting, especially if you're career military listening to this, knowing that you have the financial security that is given to you by the government by serving and knowing full well, at least in reading this statement now, that it was intended for the armed forces to be competitive amongst the private sector employers and the federal civil service. So the third reason why the military pension was created is to provide a reserve pool of experienced military manpower that can be called upon in time of war or national emergency to augment active forces. And number four, last reason, to provide economic security for former members of the armed forces during their old age. So that's that monthly pension, once again, that we're talking about. And so again, that just goes back to why the military pension has been created. And, you know, among active duty personnel, and I'm going to repeat this again, just to ensure that you know that this is the right episode for you. This is the right show for you to listen to and to make sure that, yeah, that I'm speaking to the right person as well. So among the active duty personnel, eligibility for a monthly pension is generally based on a service requirement of at least 20 years of active service. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of wrap up with the basic definition of a military pension. I encourage you to check out the show notes of this episode to get more resources to better understand the military pension. But I do hope that in just sharing the literal definition to you and why it was created has given you a little bit more clarity and even appreciation for what you are being rewarded for serving our country, both the service member and the spouse. So as I continue on, I want you to think of this. What is something new I learned about the military pension that I didn't know before I listened to Jen? <laughs> to me. <laughs> and which one of the four main goals or two, you know, which one or two of the four main goals for the non-disability military retirement system did I resonate the most with? Who the military pension is for? What is the military pension? 
how the military pension is typically understood, and why was it created. For this next part, I would highly recommend that you get in front of a computer and check out the show notes of this episode because we are going to do an activity. I want to go ahead and help you understand what is your estimated retired pay. Basically, what is your military pension going to look like if you plug in those numbers today? And so once again, I highly encourage that if you're not in front of a computer, go ahead and pause this episode and listen to it when you're in front of a computer. Or, you know, you could obviously listen to it all the way through. And then when you're in front of a computer, you can replay this section. But I think it's extremely important now that you know the basics of the military pension to understand what is your particular estimated retirement pay. Now, the reason why we say estimated instead of what is your military pension is because it's just dependent on a lot of factors. And so what I encourage you to do is to really take advantage of the resources that I'll be providing in the show notes because they will provide a ton of information and education for you to better understand what numbers get inputted in order for you to determine what your estimated retirement pay is. Of course, if you want to have a better understanding of your unique situation, I highly, highly encourage that you reach out to our financial experts at usvetwealth.com. Once again, that's U-S-V-E-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. All right. So what I'm going to do now is pull up a calculator straight from the Defense Finance and Accounting Service website, also known as DFAS for short. And on this website, we are actually going to focus on the High 3 calculator. So the High 3 calculator is designed to assist service members in projecting their pension under the High 3 retirement plan, which is also commonly known as the High 36 retirement plan. This primary retirement plan is for members with the initial date of entry into the service on or after September 8, 1980 or before January 1st, 2018. And in addition to that, you did not choose the career status bonus and Redux retirement plan. So this is actually extremely specific. And once again, I just want to let you know that I highly encourage you to speak to one of our financial experts to really know your situation. But this is the one that we often use as an example to share with our clients. The easiest way I can describe this is if you are nearing 20 years of service, or at least you have done a minimum of 20 years of service, of active duty service, and you are planning on transitioning out in the upcoming years. And so if that relates to you, then the High 3 calculator on the Department of Defense website is what we are referring to when we are trying to estimate your retirement pay. So once you arrive to the High 3 calculator on the DFAS website, and which once again will be provided in the show notes here, it's going to ask you to plug in some information. And so this isn't all of it. I'm just going to mention the ones that's most relevant to this conversation. So what you want to do for the service member is to plug in the month and year you were born, your pay entry base date, your current grade, your active service date, how many years of service will you have at separation or retirement, and your life expectancy. Now, if you are curious to know what each of these stand for, such as the difference between the pay entry base date and the active service date, as well as like what would you suggest as a life expectancy, I highly encourage that you're viewing the website that I'm referring to 
because it'll provide you additional information on its suggestions. And so once you're able to plug that in, now this is the most important part. So I hope that you have a pen and paper or you're taking notes on your phone. There are two specific numbers that I want you to write down and I want you to pay close attention to, you know, between now and pretty much till the end of these series. Also, you may come to find that it's asking you information about your thrift savings plan. Go ahead and plug that in for now, but just know that those numbers are not necessarily a priority to this conversation. But obviously, if it helps you get to the results, then go ahead and plug in those numbers, even if you're estimating. But the most important thing you'll find when you get to the results page are two important numbers, okay? So make sure once again that you have a pen and paper or a notepad to be able to write this down. The first thing you want to write down is the total retirement benefit. So that's the first number. And I bet you're looking at it and you're like, that is a big number. And of course, again, it varies depending on all the factors that I had mentioned earlier. So once you write that number down, the second number you need to write down is the present value. Now, I have hinted at this term present value. And if you're hearing this for the first time, now you're seeing in numbers what the present value is of your estimated retire pay. And even if you don't know what that exactly means right now, that's okay. The important thing is that you have both of these numbers written down. So once again, you wanna write down the total retirement benefit and the present value. So remember that wine vineyard analogy that I was trying to go with? Of course, you could also go with like a bucket of water or something, but I think a wine vineyard is so much better. I'm still playing with the analogy, but I'm gonna go with wine vineyard because it's been pretty cool so far. For now, I want you to look at the total retirement benefit and the present value in this kind of way. So the total retirement benefit, imagine that this is your wine vineyard. This is what your wine vineyard could look like in post-military life. Keyword could. The total retirement benefit number is the wine vineyard you could have in post-military life. Now the present value is what your wine vineyard looks like today, right now. If you were to retire right now, this is what it would look like, this number. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, that's less. That's already looking less than the total retirement benefit. But trust me, this will make more sense later, I promise. So for now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Now that you know that the total retirement benefit is that wine vineyard that you could have in post-military life versus the present value of your wine vineyard and what it looks like today, right now. Here's the question I wanna ask you. Do I want to bank on what my wine vineyard might look like in the future? Or do I want to bank on what my wine vineyard looks like today? So I'm going to ask that question one more time. And I want you to think about this moving forward. Do I want to bank on what my wine vineyard might look like in the future? Or do I want to bank on what my wine vineyard looks like today? All right. So think about that question. And really at the end of these series, you're going to be able to answer that question for yourself. And really, this will eventually tie back to the question, do I keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan? All right. So with that being said, let's go ahead and kind of shift gears here now, because you're probably thinking, Jen, you keep talking about this present value. I don't know what this means. I don't get it. Like you're saying that this is what it, my pension is valued at today. What does that even mean? I don't get it. Trust me, I didn't get it either. I didn't get it either. You know, having come from an enlisted career military family, you know, all we cared about was that monthly paycheck. All we cared about was that military pension, that guaranteed monthly pay, you know, for the rest of my mom's life. 
after we had lost my dad. And so even I myself, and I can imagine, and what I have experienced and observed amongst families is that it requires a different way of thinking of looking at that monthly pay because we're so used to looking at that paycheck, you know, twice a month for the entirety of our military career. And so it makes sense why the military pension can also be seen as a military pay. But now I'm shifting gears to really talk about what I mean by the present value to look beyond the monthly pay. And so as you know, and I'm going to be redundant for the sake of being redundant because this information was as new to me as it probably was for you. And I have worked very diligently with the team at US Vet Wealth, as well as having done my own research to really make this as simple as possible to understand. You know, the truth is that because of the present value, the military pension is more than a guaranteed monthly pay for the rest of your life, for the rest of the service member's life, to be more specific. For this section, we are going to challenge you to look beyond that monthly pay by understanding the present value of the military pension. I want you to also start thinking about this way. Look at that monthly retired pay. It's that barrel of wine that you get every single month from your wine vineyard. So think about that way. Remember when we were talking about how the military pension, amongst its many names, is also described as an annuity or a monthly retired pay? Now, I know you know the keywords, <laughs> monthly retired and pay, but what about an annuity? Like, what is an annuity? So let's first start understanding what an annuity is in the private sector, meaning what is an annuity to the regular civilian? And so the literal term that's taken from one of our providers here at US Vet Wealth is that an annuity is a financial product that can be customized to give you lifetime guarantees. It's a long-term tax-deferred investment. It's able to provide protection for income, legacy, and spousal needs. And it's able to be tailored to your unique retirement needs to help protect what matters to you. An annuity can also give you lifetime income for as long as you live. So sound familiar with the military pension? That monthly paycheck, that guaranteed monthly pay for the rest of your life for as long as you live through an annuitization at no extra cost. And it can also provide you the opportunity to create a living legacy by preserving funds for future generations in a tax efficient manner. Last but not least, an annuity can be used to protect and preserve assets for a surviving spouse through death benefits and or living benefits to sustain their ongoing lifestyle. So if you're hearing this for the first time, you're kind of like, okay, Jen, so what? <laughs> like, I'm not in the civilian world. What does this matter to me? Well, here's the thing. In order for civilians to be able to have this monthly pay like you will have in post-military life, they actually have to have already had their wine vineyard in order to get their barrel of wine every single month. So let me say that again. The difference between a civilian versus you, the service member, and the spouse is that an annuity in the civilian world is something that you have to have already had a huge lump sum that is this wine vineyard in order for you to get that monthly barrel of wine every single month. So how does this relate to your situation and the military pension? You're probably wondering if the military pension is an annuity, 
Does that mean that I also have to have a lump sum? I have to have a ton of money to put into it in order for me to get paid out that monthly pay? Basically saying, do I need to have already have this wine vineyard in order for me to get that monthly big barrel of wine to enjoy every day of the month? And here is the best part of your service, of your sacrifice to our nation. The answer is no. You don't need to pay into it because the truth is you already paid into it. You already paid into this annuity, into your monthly pension by putting in your time and service to our nation. So let me say that again. While our civilian counterparts have to have a huge lump sum, and if you want to know specifically, they have to have that present value. So going back to that number, the present value that you have written down for your military pension, they need to have that much amount in cash right now or in their bank so that they can get that monthly barrel of wine every month, their version of a monthly retired pay. And because you have served our country, you don't have to do that because you've already invested your time into this annuity. And because you put in your time into the service, It's the taxpayers, your civilian counterparts, that are saying, thank you for your service. We will be funding your annuity, your military pension. And so how is that even possible? If you're curious to get even more specific about this, there's actually a document that I highly recommend reading, which once again is from the Congressional Research Service. So this document came out in December 29, 2021, and it's titled Defense Primer the military retirement. So this document, if you are curious to really know where the money comes from and what I mean exactly that it's the taxpayers that are funding your military pension as a thank you for your service, I'll give you a little snippet from this document. And of course, you can also check out the show notes of this episode to get it. So really where this money is all coming from is what they call the Military Retirement Fund or MRF for short. So what Congress has done is they've appropriated the funds required to pay future retirees in the annual defense appropriation bills. And this is how our retirees are paid. This is where your monthly retired pay comes from. Under this accounting method, legislation that affects future retirees has present day budget implications. And this is just getting into more like, you know, details, but I'll just keep reading in case you're curious. A DOD Board of Actuaries determines the amount of appropriations required based on economic and demographic projections. Contributions to the funds are made by the services and the treasury. So the fund itself receives the income from three sources. The first one is normal cost payments from the services and U.S. Treasury. The second is payment from the U.S. Treasury to amortize the unfunded liability. And three, investment income. But the key word here is the U.S. Treasury. And so to get more specific, and if this is just too much, remember the documents attached, you could also skip ahead. (laughs) So really what you should understand about this military retirement fund is that the military retirement system is government funded, non-contributory, defined benefit system that has historically been viewed as a significant incentive in retaining a career military force, hence why you're listening to this episode (laughs) and trying to fully understand what is this military pension? 
So the system currently includes monthly compensation for qualified active and reserve retirees, disability benefits for those who deemed medically unfit to serve, and a survivor annuity program, i.e. the survivor benefit plan, for eligible survivors of deceased retirees, which again, we will totally get into that later. Of course, the amount of compensation is dependent on time served, basic pay at retirement, and annual cost of living, uh, COLAs. Military retirees are also entitled to non-monetary benefits, including exchange and commissary privileges, healthcare benefits, and access to morale, welfare, and recreation, or MWR, facilities and programs. It's actually kind of funny. Growing up, I didn't know what MWR stood for (laughs) and going on the military bases, and now I know. Morale, welfare, and recreation. I don't know if you knew that, but now you know if you didn't know. All right. So in wrapping up, remember that the military pension is an annuity. And the difference between a civilian receiving an annuity versus your annuity, i.e. the military pension, is this. Let's refer back to the present value that you wrote down. So in looking at that present value, for our civilian counterparts to be able to get the monthly retired pay or to get even your military pension, they would have to already have that present value, that number that you're looking at, that you wrote down. They need to have that amount of money already in their bank account in order for them to put it into an annuity to be able to pay themselves a monthly pay for the rest of their lives. Now, the difference with you is that you don't have to put that present value in because you put your time in to our service. And so therefore, the military monthly pay that you're receiving, once again, is that barrel of wine that you get to receive for the rest of your life. I mean, given certain factors, you know, your life expectancy, et cetera, et cetera. But you didn't have to have that present value into your bank account in order for you to get your monthly base pay because you served for it. You earned it. And if things work in your favor, you know, given all the factors, living out your life expectancy, you will get your total retirement benefit. So that big, big number, the first big number that you wrote down. So now you're probably wondering, okay, well, that's cool. You know, I didn't have to become a successful business owner or a wealthy person or be a trust fund kid in order for me to have this present value to be put into annuity in order for me to be paid my monthly retired pay for the rest of my life. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to inherit or work for you know, creating my own wine vineyard because I put in my time in the service. So what? Honestly, you didn't even have to know this. And I do actually appreciate you taking the time, you know, one hour later to get to this point, to learn this information, to ask yourself the question, so what? So what do I care? And that's a very valid question because you could honestly stop listening to the show and move on with your life and retire and enjoy this monthly retired pay for the rest of your life expectancy. (laughs) You could. You really could. And so why should you care? You're like, Jen, why did you drag this out for a whole hour? Well, first and foremost, if you understand everything I said at this point, then I've done my job for you to understand that it's your time in the service that allows taxpayers to say, thank you for your service. Here is your military pension. And so here's a fun thing I recommend that you do. Next time someone says, thank you for your service, I want you to respond, thank you for paying your taxes, (laughs) because it's you as a taxpayer that is funding my military pension. So thank you. (laughs) All right, jokes aside, let me be a little more serious here. 
Because like I said, you can walk away and not have to hear what the next episode is going to be about. I know, total teaser alert. You don't have to. You can honestly stop right now. You're like, that's good to know. Thank you, taxpayers. Really, truly. And most people do. Most people do. And even if you wanted to learn more about this in the military pension, other than listening to this episode, you know, it's really hard to find the resources to really fully understand the value of the military pension and let alone have the spouse fully understand it as well. And, you know, going back to the first episode really of the show to talk about like why it's difficult for our families to even understand all of this to begin with. I mean, it's the day to day. You know, you're kind of trying to find order in chaos, right? In this military life. And so topics like this, the military pension, you know, is something that easily gets put off till the very end. And it's easy to believe that because the government has taken care of you from day one and throughout most of your service, maybe it'll take care of us in post-military life as well. So now I'm going to get very real with you. And if you've made it this far, you're probably already thinking, okay, Jen, I get what the military pension is about, but now I have some questions. And if you do, then keep on listening. You are in the right place. The reason why I am hoping to share this message with you about the military pension is because while you're in service, as you're starting to transition out, it is very easy to, you know, kind of generalize and romanticize what post-military life is going to look like to say, oh, I have this monthly pay, this retired monthly pay. It's going to be great. You know, maybe my service member can take a break for a while and I myself as a spouse can, you know, kind of get back into the workforce. It's very easy to just kind of have a romantic idea of what post-military life will look like. And so now I'm going to speak to you as a gold star daughter and share with you how difficult it was for my mom, you know, to have been catapulted into civilian life and to all of a sudden go from being cared for in the military to being forgotten and yet being left with three kids under 11 to figure this out, to figure out all the benefits or whatever was left behind from our father. And so I say all this, not necessarily to scare you, but to remind you that in post-military life, yes, you're going to have that military retired pay, but no one's going to be taking care of you anymore the way that the military has taken care of you, the way that the government has taken care of you. No one is going to care as much about you and your financial situation, but you and your family. And so this isn't a topic worth putting off anymore. And it might be a lot. It might be overwhelming. It might be, again, easier to just put it off. Well, I encourage you because you've made it this far. You've managed to hang out with me for more than an hour to have an open mind. And more importantly, I hope that you challenge yourself to fully understand what we're about to teach here, because this can be the most valuable thing you learn before your military transition. And so now I'm going to get into the topic that everyone hates talking about, because again, we're thinking about this military retired pay. It really comes down to this question. You know, the pension's great. I get this retired monthly base pay for the rest of the service member's life. But what if the service member dies before the spouse? What if my service member dies before me? What happens to that wine vineyard? What happens to my monthly barrel of wine? And the answer lies in understanding the second number you wrote down from your estimated retirement pay, the present value. 
So I hate to end on a morbid talk. And I hope that you're willing to join me in the next conversation because I promise you now, this is actually more than a morbid talk. But in order to go beyond the morbid talk, we have to acknowledge the morbid talk. Should anything happen to your service member? Should anything happen to me? What happens to my spouse? What happens to my kids? What happens to that wine vineyard that we earned because we served for it? I'm Jen Amos. Thank you so much for listening to the Spouse Benefit Plan. And I look forward to talking to you more about the present value in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Spouse Benefit Plan podcast, where we help career military families make the most important decision before transition to keep or opt out of the Survivor Benefit Plan. If you enjoyed today's show, kindly leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also leave me, Jen Amos, a kind recommendation on my LinkedIn profile. Please remember to check out our growing list of resources at thespousebenefitplan.com. Once again, I'm your host, Jen Amos, and I'll chat with you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you.